Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fifth season, we are looking at Joe Johnston's 2011 film Captain America, The First Avenger. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright. Welcome to Zola's Kitchen. <laughs> Today, we're talking about Minute 19, which begins with Zola eyeing the snake drawer and ends with screams from the Tesseract's energy surge. <laughs> what is going on here? Not sure. Not sure. <laughs> Something yep, yep. crazy. Uh, those are the voices, everybody. Uh, joining us again and the rest of the week, Will Johnson and Don Shanahan from the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast. Hello again. Hi. I'm not going to hey. do anything physically because you guys are going to make fun of me. So <laughs> face <Hello>. radio. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh, dude, I have a face. I have a body for radio, a face for radio. You know, <laughs> we, but we have bodies for OnlyFans accounts is what it is. Come on. Well, add that to the social. Oh, that's right. I got to add that to the socials. Put that on the yes. socials. There it is. It's, uh, OnlyFans.com slash hissy fit. Is that? I think that's taken. Well, it's, uh, no, here's it. It's uh, hissy it's it's feet. It's a feet only. Oh. <laughs> hissy feet. Untapped market, for sure. Hissy feet. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's our niche. That joke That's, might have been too funny for this show. <laughs> <laughs> I get That's that a lot. One? No. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like we need to make a shirt for that. There's there's always room for another shirt, Pete. There's always room oh, for another man. shirt. <clears throat> This All right, we are good. back in Schmidt's office lab. Uh, this is where the mad science really gets going here. Uh, we have, uh, so, okay, Schmidt opens the drawer again. I think that this is proof, Pete. We were talking about this back when he first opened it. Is all of this diegetic, all this sound and everything that we're hearing? It has to be because it happens again as soon as he opens it. The sounds, the the blue, crazy, like, light in the, in the air and everything. What is going on with this crazy Tesseract? Um and it's again, as as we as we all love, it is such a Pulp Fiction moment as well. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's a Pulp Fiction moment, but it's actually like rectified. Like he has somewhere in these books, right? The books with the pictures. Uh-huh. There are some meticulous measurements, right? <laughs> somewhere there are meticulous measurements because everything in Zola's kitchen is precisely measured and machined to hold the tesseract. How did they know this is the curse of the movie by minute format? Because it's, I now can't stop thinking about it. Where were the specs? It's not a curse. It's not a curse. This is Joe Johnston. We know he was on Raiders of the Lost Ark. And we know from that film, there were some seriously smart yes. uh, people designing all of these little things that Indiana Jones right. uses to measure the stick and everything and which you know, everything the burn fits on the hand. and other things. It all yep. fits. We we just Shout didn't them. get to see. This is what I want a one shot of of the process that they went through. I want it to be like the adventures of of Schmidt and Arnim as they yeah. run around uh, finding all mm-hmm. these different things to get the exact precise yeah. measurements. Like from last from when he finds the tesseract to now, all of the things that they go through to find the exact measurements so they can actually pick this thing up. I think that would be a great Herr comedy. Schmidt, it must be six kadams height. That's what I want to hear. It's all about the hype. On the movie-making side, the props, literally and figuratively, go to Barry Gibbs and Haley Gibbs, who are the property master and property coordinator on this film. And this was their, uh, at least for Barry as the lead property master, they were their, this was their first uh, Marvel effort. They would go on to do one, two, three, four, five, a half dozen or more of the, all the way up to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse. So um, the prop work, on on this film especially because it's period like i love um 
in this lab, just um, like you said, I make fun of like the tongs it took to measure and what yeah. you're talking about. But like at the same time that you're talking about Zola and, and the characters trying to figure this out, I'm on the movie side going, how did they like combine the scrap heap of things to create these amazing creations? Uh, my favorite prop scene, it comes six years after the show. Um, during the countdown self-destruct moment where like Schmidt opens those little perfect little doors, perfect little switch and the perfect little flat down, countdown numbers. We're like, who sits down and, and designs things <laughs> down to the absolute nth degree of detail. That's still period. We have a taste of that here in the scene where, yeah, what, what holds the test rack, the different knobs, the different bars, everything has got an edge and a contour to it. And it fits each little scene. Like we're here in the cold and gray of this lair. We just left the, army recruitment office with these gorgeous you know uh art deco features and fixtures with the lights and the tables and everything where oh my gosh i just that i i could geek out on just props in this movie well two things (laughs) one when you said barry gibb i was thinking of the bgs and i was like i know know. (laughs) Uh, but second this is why i get on my high horse a lot defend movies like this when people say they're not movies and cinema because you do Mm -hmm. have so many craftsmen artists that work on these things like that i mean we you know when they say it's just green screen i just think about like not only the i I mean i know it's heightened period specific sure a little bit fantasized but it still has to be 40s and it so it has that aesthetic but also you have this mixture of kind of that Flash Gordon-y, high design, uh, almost like rocket engine kind of stuff going on. And then you got the Tesseract. And there's just so much craftsmanship and artistry going into these films that uh, I, I hate when people put them down into one mm-hmm. little sliver and say, oh, it's not cinema. You know, it's like, man, there's, there's a guy right there's Barry Gibb from the Bee Gees right now putting together, you know, the next cool prop, you know, and in uh quantum mania coming out soon yeah you know? he's he's cool. actually to credit imdb he's working on the marvels right now so yeah he's in post-production on the marvels and uh yeah i'll do the count one two three four five six seven eight nine nine marvel films the man's done and this was his first so i think it's i don't want to say it's his wife is his coordinator and teammate on this where those two just nail it man well, it's really fantastic. Any number of these things, the texture of every frame is so perfect. Like, imagine what it would be like. It would have been so easy not to have the arm hanging down from the ceiling, right? I, which is such a good touch. It reminds me of a man cave, like the perfect, like, stereotype of a man cave where all these perfect things exist harnessed together by just rogue cables. Uh, that's that's what it feels like to me. And it's just, it it screams mad science. I think it's just perfect. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. And that's what, a couple things. Joe Johnson is really great at capturing these aesthetics. I mean, Rocketeer is many people, they're uh, his best yeah. film. Um, you know, and I don't know, I just, I don't even know where I was going to go with that. I'm so flabbergasted. I don't even know where I was going to go with that. But yeah, Joe Johnston, it's kind of a Joe Johnston touch, you know? And that's another, that's another thing when people say the directors don't have any say on these movies. This is a very clearly a Joe Johnston movie. Yeah. And I'll hear a lot of people go like, whoa, Paramount was still in charge. I'm like, no, Paramount was dis- distribution only. This was right in check. Marvel right. Studios, complete creative control. So people like to hearken back and say, well, that was when real studios were it's like no not at all it's the same thing as star wars and 20th century fox distribution versus production it's totally different 
Do you wish that Joe Johnston continued with the Captain America films, or are you glad that that was one of the two? Because, I mean, there have been, Ooh. like, uh, Favreau obviously did a couple Iron Man films, and then it changed hands. Thor's been, you know, several different hands until Taika Waititi uh, latched on for two. Um, and then the Russo brothers take over this particular run. Any thoughts? I know on, Will's on answer. That? Well, it's tough for me because in both two of those examples, you have two of my favorite directing groups. I mean, Shane Black is one of my favorite writer directors and he did Iron Man 3. And I am a huge Russo Brothers defender and fan. I think they're fantastic. I, I'm so pumped for the Gray Men coming out, uh, which me and Don are seeing on Monday. We are. Um, Monday, well, if you're listening to this in 2058, then. Uh, <laughs> Monday means guess, nothing to you. Guess you which don't even I'm talking anymore. about, but uh, yeah, but um, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of theirs. I think they have a wonderful. I think what was required of the transition from this setting to the Winter Soldier and Civil War um, needed a different touch. I think um, this is a very, and this scene shows it too. This scene has a very specific design need and a specific um i'm trying to think of the word the, it, it needs a certain touch because of the different time period yeah um and i think um like and like we were talking about in prior episodes the morals of this universe is a little bit more black and white i mean everything's got gray to it but you know the morals of winter soldier and what's going on in the world then is a little bit different than what's going on now. So I, I do think, I think it's one of those things where if they were remaking the MCU today, I think that they would have assigned people to like foster certain trilogies and certain things to, to, to have a little bit more of a, I mean, the tone is pretty consistent in my opinion. I know a lot of people mm -hmm. don't think it is, but yeah, I think, I, think it is. I, I think if they really did it today, they would have had John Favreau do all three Iron Mans. They would have had Joe Johnson maybe do, they might have not put Captain America maybe, uh, obviously the Avengers was in the, in the works there, but you can see what they were doing with Captain Marvel, whereas, you know, her next movie possibly is going to be a mixture of, because her first movie was in the past, kind of a sort pseudo prequel. Black Widow's been a pseudo prequel. Um, if they, got Captain America into the future for the Avengers, but kept him in the forties. I think Joe Johnson would have been perfect. You know, if they kept having world war two adventures, obviously the way this movie ends makes that impossible. But yeah, um, yeah I, I, I think uh, as a Russo brothers fan, and I love their action style, perfect for Captain America moving forward. I think, I think that they're what they did with that character all through, and, and many people argue, and, and me and Don have argued about Thor's consistency and stuff mm. like that. But if there, if there is one thing that is is consistent, and uh, it is when the Russos touch Captain America. So the four movies um, with the Russos, basically yeah. the Winter Soldier, Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame, that is a solid. I have a lot of issues with Josh Whedon and how he treats Thor and Captain America, but. If you look at those four films in and, a row, and other great. people, let's and just, yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true, but yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, the Russos really know what to do with that character visually. Yeah. And, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna chomp at the bit and disagree. I would have loved to see Joe Johnson stay the whole time. Um, I think the Russos, while they every squirrel gets a nut when it comes to like 
you know, um, how do I say this? I see them more as pretenders than true creators where they wanted to make a seventies paranoid want to be, you know, three days of the condor thriller and got one thanks to a really good character and some Marvel control beyond them. Um, and then, yeah, they, they are well suited for the larger stuff with the, with the Avengers movies. I'll tip my hat to the roosters on those. It takes a special team of people, um, with a, with a big vision for big things to pull those off. But for a Captain America movie, I would have loved to stay with this, these, attentions to details and morals and old fashionedness. I really would have, because I do feel like each, uh, each following Captain America movie got more and more and more away from some of the genuine touch and feels and textures right here down to the prop department that we're talking about um, from this movie, where I put this movie above those for sure, where I would have loved to see Joe stay around. Now I know Joe's a different filmmaker than the Russos. I know the Russos are more the yes men folks that get, get the, get the assignment and get it done where I think I'm not saying Joe would have pushed back, but I think Joe as an older guy um, would have a shelf life for sure, where I don't know how long he would have made it with it, but I, I would have loved his old school throwback. um, I don't want to say panache style uh, to continue on more than just this special homework assignment of the forties. I don't know because and that's where I disagree a little bit because I think both directors, I'm saying both Russo's as one entity, sure, um, work with throwback natures in different ways. I think they are, and I've talked about with the movies that they produce as well as what they direct. I've talked about this with Extraction and 21 Bridges, which is movies they produced, executive produced. They are very 90s action, late night HBO thrilling. Yeah. And I'll pass on that. And that's why I love Winter Soldier and Civil War too, because they have the practical effects and the stunt work and their eye for action is very old school compared to today. And I think it's fantastic. So that's why I like them. I think they're a perfect fit for captain America, the character, as well as where the character needed to go. Like, what do you think Andy and Pete, you got to settle this here. <laughs> I don't know if there's settling to be done. I feel like the Russos are, are, you know, as much as I, I also love those four movies very much. Uh, I, I am one of those that would prefer to keep the direction from production separate, right? A church and state thing, because I don't think we have enough uh I- enough sort of stuff from the russos in terms of feature films to be able to make uh an assessment of kind of what their overall ability is in terms of tone and texture cherry i quite liked i i mean i i thought that i thought that was a, a pretty good was, film and i that was our second episode and it was a yeah. true love hate because i i <laughs> ranked it really high <laughs> I, I loved it and Don did not like that at all. So. I, I, I don't, I, I, I thought, you know, part of it is I really like Tom Holland and I think he's, he's just a, a magnetic uh, personality on screen, whatever he's in. But in terms of the Russos, we have what that we have the Marvel stuff and we have community well, and Hollywood, happy right? endings. Yeah. You, right? you, like, me, you, me and Dupree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we, are we <laughs> that that feels like it's a, a point on the wrong scorecard, right? Like I, I just don't it know is. yet. So I think a yeah. lot of weight is is carried by the gray man. Like I, I, I feel like it is that that's, yeah. that's going to be a tipping for a guy like me who questions them. That's yeah. going to be a tipping point because I, I saw them apply a zillion things to try that all don't go together and don't work in Cherry, despite the compelling lead. Um, where yeah, you now you have the great man where you have Gosling and Evans and your Brett and your golden yeah. boy with Evans, where 
if that movie doesn't deliver it, if it's just an, a, a, another batch of a whole bunch of stuff thrown against the wall for style for style's sake, um, will you're, they're, you're, know. the Russos are going to lose me. That's why I defend them because, like I said, from the directing aspect and the producing, people forget that they're major producers on everything, everywhere, all at once as yeah. well. Yeah. So, I mean, they have signing a, a style. I see. I see. That's the thing is whenever, whenever there's some, this is the problem yeah. is whenever like there's a Marvel thing and, and, or if there's ever somebody who's involved with Marvel that does something, it's like, oh, it's just for the money or for the paycheck. You'll never the, hear the Daniels talk about Anthony and Joe Russo. But she, I, I guarantee you they would because that helps them. That helps them get their Who's movie been to a screening with the Daniels talking about the movie where they don't bring up the Russo. My hand is up. How many times <laughs> do people bring up producers that often? It's not the ones case. that matter in the arts. Would come on, man. So you're saying that every year when there's a Best Picture nominee, <laughs> there's a bunch of producers that get nominated for Best Picture that you've speech. never heard yep. of. Yep, that you've never heard of. None of nobody appreciates. Them. No one's. Everyone's just like, yeah, well, we. We we could have made the movie without them. Come on, yeah, they're they're the bankroll. You're right. They couldn't make the movie without them because I say this to you all the time. This is a business first and art exposition second. I'm sorry. How often are we talking about the Russos in terms of extraction, which was crap? They, I, they, love it. Yeah. I think they got Relic was one of those movies they they produced that I executive loved. produced. Five I was only executive movie. produced. Executive yes. produced. Now we're, exactly. now the checks get thinner. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I I just feel like that is such a crapshoot to talk about to to, to put too much creative weight and credibility on their production stuff. Yeah, for example, are we giving Brad Pitt all the credit in the world for 12 Years a Slave? No, you give it to Steve <laughs> McQueen. You know, yeah. Brad Pitt's there to shepherd it through, give a big name and some spots. Michael Douglas in One Flew Over the Cougar's Nest. That's a Jack Nicholson movie and uh, Milo's Foreman. Milo's that's, Foreman, right. Uh, that's not Michael, Michael Douglas helping it along. Damn near's probably almost thought about I, probably stealing the role. I think producers have to see potential in a product and put that th- yes i agree with that checks. i agree with that right checks yes but you can you're... also it's not an either or you can i know i know you you're can, right on that part it's like no, where i'm just writing checks no they have to yeah. see something in the material provide it and there is a name value like there there is a i'm yeah. not saying all of everything everywhere all at once is all the russos that's ridiculous i'm not Thank saying you. that i never have said that there's I don't remember Russo what there. we're. I don't remember what we're fighting about. Do we not like the Russos, or do we like the Russos? Does, I, don't know. I think we like the Russos, but he's got to solve this still. Johnson or Russo? <laughs> no, I, I, here's here's the thing. I, I I think the Russos did a great job with the Avengers films. I enjoy what they did with the Captain America films. I think it would have been nice to actually see a franchise within the franchise of the Marvel Cinematic Universe where there is actually a singular voice kind of shepherding something along. And it's kind of weird to me that Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be the first one where we will have seen an entire trilogy from the mind of one person. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited to see kind of where James Gunn goes with that. Um, I, you know, I, I don't have a problem with the Russo brothers. I think that they're fine. Um, in the scope of what Feige has as a vision of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I, I think it's great that he is kind of the math, master craftsman building all of this and kind of putting this whole puzzle piece together. It's and to that runner. end, yeah, I yeah. mean, he's essentially the guy who's making sure that people are doing what largely he wants them to be doing. And, you know, there is there is always going to be a give and take in a situation like that with any director of how much does the director really get a voice in what they want to do with a particular film as it compares to, like, what Feige wants to have them do. And I think that there is going to be a lot of control that he has. But I do think that the directors largely are the person that the producer picks to shepherd the project to kind of make what they envision. And, I mean, they're the ones who have to pitch 
to the producer, to Feige True. and the rest of the team saying, yes. this is what I want it to be. And that person is saying, that sounds great. You're the person for me. And and I'm sure that, I mean, in something like Everything Everywhere All at Once, which I think is fantastic, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure that, you know, they are in a place now, they weren't when they were making Me, You, and Dupree, uh, or You, Me, and Dupree, where they could have said, that sounds fantastic. We love your vision. We're going to get behind you 100%. Do what you need to do. Spend what you need to spend. Make your vision come true. Yeah, yeah. And and so I I love that they're in that position now where they can actually do that to get these things going. But yeah. um, I guess yeah. my only thing with it was that. But my credit for it, everything is everything is kind of like people try to put it in either or categories. So like the success of Winter Soldier is not because of them at all. It's because of Feige or because I'm not saying you guys are saying that, but like when I actually look at it from a film perspective, just watching these films, I mean, they, they actually have a very distinct style that I actually really like in terms of how they approach action and set pieces. Yeah. I mean, some of the, some of the set pieces in um, the two Captain America movies they did are, are, are incredible. Like just the, the visceral reaction you get to that, the way they film those things. Now is Feige controlling that? Yes. But I don't think Feige is also there every day going like, put the camera here, no. you know, like, you got to give the director some credit. And I think everyone just says the Russos are hacks because they, they are given everything on a silver platter. And like I said, we've had two people, I don't know what Andy's thoughts on cherry are, but me and Pete liked it. I haven't seen it. I I wasn't interested when I saw the trailer. So that might speak to to what I think. No, and that's, and that's fine. But like, there's obviously like a lot more to what a director is, what a producer is. than I think a lot of people give credit for They just see the Russos and they go hacks. Studio hacks. Yeah, I won't go there. But there's, I, they're credited. You know what you mean? I know, I know, I know. I know what you mean. I, I think that the Russos bring a lot to the table. And I mean, we'll, we'll certainly talk about them a lot when we get to, uh, Winter Soldier and, and, and beyond, really, um, I, I think that they they do a lot, and I definitely agree. They bring a lot of visual uh, style to the action scenes that uh, I I struggle to think that Joe Johnston would have been able to do. Like, I don't picture Joe Johnston. I think that he does, you know, films with action. I mean, he certainly has done plenty of right, them. Sure. I don't think as I think through them, I'm like, do any of them stand out as like cutting edge, doing something new? I don't know if I see that. I think he does it effectively and efficiently and they all work. But I don't think like I I don't think I would have had the same reaction to the action scenes in Winter Soldier or Civil War had Joe Johnston been been behind them. Mm. Yeah, there, sure. there is a certain finesse and and uh, uh, sort of facility that the Russos have with scale of action that I That's don't true. I don't think we've seen with with Joe Johnson stuff. Which I agree. Feel much more intimate and personal. That's, and yeah. uh, and and so I, I think that is like I'm definitely on on Team Russos for those later movies because I think I'm a huge fan. Winter Soldier is or uh, uh, is is one of my very favorite movies in the Marvel. Uh, you know, see you, the Marvel see you. Nobody says that. That's weird. No, um, but I say, say uh, it in a German accent. It sounds but, better. Marvel see you. Marvel see you. Marvel see you. Marvel see you later. Uh, anyhow, <laughs> so I, I, I'm on team movies. Friendship wins. And uh, there you go. Go. Yeah, sorry. Cats. See, this is what I'm sorry, guys. 
We brought, we brought the hissy fit to you. That's why you're here. I asked I know, the question. But it's, it's an important thing because, I mean, you know, this Joe Johnston is bringing something very specific to this film. And it's it does yeah. always pique my curiosity. Like, what would have the later films been like had he done them? What would Thor The Dark World look like if Kenneth Branagh had stayed on? Like, I'm uh, always curious about these different things. I know I had to go there. Uh, yeah, I, I would love that. Like, I talking picture, about Thor. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. Yeah. I love the guy. What can I say? Um, but, okay, so let's talk about just whittling it back down to this particular minute though this is the mad science moment we've got uh zola being kind of the cautious scientist and and slowly cranking the 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 experiment up from 20 percent to 40 percent to 60 percent stabilizing at 70 and we see the fantastic of course it's blue energy device spinning mm-hmm. uh doing something glowing it's it's got all sorts of uh the tesseract energy is all over the place and of course then we have the not so careful schmidt coming over uh, who says you know i've not been waiting uh all this time for safety doctor and he cranks it all the way up to 100 percent and yeah. and effects we get all sorts of effects we get blue uh dancing across the room and uh you know it, it seems the energy is like kind of out of control what do we think of how this plays here and and how it looks i mean you know me i've been a motive guy so like we see schmidt the full throttle pusher no 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 pussyfooting whatsoever he is impatient he's also very reverent of the myths or he wouldn't be flooding himself with all the thoughts and ideas of need to make this happen but yeah he's a full throttle pusher of a guy and i like that i like that um, i like that that's a villain that's just gonna He's just gonna go. You're you're not he's not gonna pause and monologue you. He's gonna he's gonna go. And I like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll probably talk about it in the next minute too, but I do want to talk about Hugo Weaving at some point because sure. uh, but yeah, we we've spent too much time talking about the Russos. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Hugo Weaving. So <laughs> But it is it is an impressive glow and look, like the effects um uh not over the top. Um probably just the simplicity of how they light the the cube itself is all you really need. But once it starts to dance around the room, obviously that's another layer that's beyond what's likely physically right there in the scene. But it's, a, it's yeah, the blue, a blue is undeniable. I mean, ask James Cameron, it's a super successful color. So <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's just a sky beam waiting to happen. Thank you, DC. It sure is. <laughs> <laughs> so much is. It is very, I don't remember uh, the Tesseract being quite so powerfully lit at the end yeah. of of thor when we see in the post credit sequence yeah. it is insane how how bright that cube is when he takes it out of the box i mean it is literally yeah. like you it's completely yeah. whited out it's just it is a solid glowing thing there uh I, I love that i love that it's like this thing of energy that is just you know you can't you know you're waiting to unharness this crazy thing i i don't know it's fun i don't know that the production history and even though i'm the mcu show i mean Sometimes these things run together in the phases, but have they talked about infinity stones yet at this point in the MCU? No. no. Okay. Except for the fact that we do see the infinity gauntlet very briefly in the background in the, as we learn later, it's a fake, but in the background of Odin's treasure room. Now, the reason why I ask is, is this, was this, do you think this was essentially supposed to be the cosmic cube and they, they just, um, uh, realized, oh, we can actually make this universe happen. So let's make Infinity Stones because yeah. um, that, I mean, that's the image I always get in the comics is a red skull holding the cosmic cube. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. and and that might explain maybe why 
it's so bright here. And then they kind of tone it down a little bit later. Cause I mean, like eight years later, we got a cat eating it, you know? So, <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's, right. it's, so it just kind of, uh, you know, I, I wonder if maybe they had a narrative intention to drive it one way in the mythos and then mm. changed it because yeah, you're right. It's never been quite as powerful. I mean, it's powerful obviously, but it's never been quite as, visually powerful i mean by by, you know infinity war i mean you know loki's just putting it out and it's just kind of a very very light blue Mm -hmm. box you know it's not even glowing or anything so i i wonder i'm just sort of noodling over production or over um uh delivery of this thing too that uh you know it looks so vibrant uh, I, I wonder how our experiences are different depending on how we're watching it, right? I've got a 4K HDR, you know, Dolby Vision screen, and I'm watching the Dolby Vision version of this thing, and the contrast and the blacks and the light brights are incredible. Um, and I don't have a sense memory of what the theatrical was like, how I first saw this, but now I vastly prefer watching it on my screen, uh, because it's, it's just gorgeous. I always tell people when I talk about this movie that this one and Winter Soldier, I think just gets better and better. Yeah. As time goes on. Like I was, I was, um, before I was known as the Marvel shill, I I was a little, I'm not going to say superheroed out, but. I was getting no. tired. I was getting tired <laughs> of the because I was always there for everything at midnight. You know, I was there for sure, Fantastic uh-huh. Four and all the X Men's that suck and the ones that are good. And like, I was there for Marvel, and I was getting like, I was getting like played. You know, like I, I didn't see the creative vision ever. So I remember the first time I saw this movie in the theater, I was like, that's pretty good, but you know, I, I kind of didn't see through the layers of it. I thought it's another origin story. And it took me like a couple other viewings like later. Yeah. that I was like, Oh wow, this is actually really good. And now like every time I watch it, I get something new out of it and it gets better and better. Yeah. Like, I just showed it to my dad is very anti Marvel. And he was, he was like, I didn't even yawn once. And I'm like, he was like really into <laughs> is that, it. Is like, that his sign of a good movie? <laughs> yeah. He, like if he's, my wife's as well. <laughs> yeah. If he's not bored and he was really into it. He's like, Oh, like he was getting into it. And uh, when I showed my, when I went through an MCU uh, marathon with my daughter, who's now 13, but I we probably did it when she was about 11. I mean, she loved this one. Like it just, it just gets better and better. And winter soldier yeah. does too. And it's just, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm a favorite and best guy. This is my number one favorite. It might not be wow. the clinical best. That might be Winter Soldier, but this is my number one favorite MCU film. I have really, I have those two. I have those two. It's really tough for me because I have yeah. a favorite best too. Because Ant Man's my guy. So, mm-hmm. uh, like when it comes Very to com- movie. when it comes to comfort food, Ant Man is my guy. I mean, I have Ant Man tattooed on my leg for God's sake. So, um, <laughs> That's awesome. but but um, is he looking up? I'll send well, you guys a picture. It wasn't. Pete uh, <laughs> <laughs> already has it in his camera roll of thirteen thousand. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I, know, I was going to say that's our private collection, but, uh, <laughs> but no. But yeah, I, I would put. I don't know where I would rank these overall, but I would put this one and Winter Soldier like neck and neck in terms mm-hmm. of the quality of like entertainment. It's uh, definitely that's, up there. It is a good one. It is a good one. I, this definitely was one that took me a while to. Um, 
click with. Like when I first saw it, I was like, eh, eh mediocre uh, Marvel film. I didn't love it. And it wasn't until a rewatch, and we talked about this in an earlier episode, where I finally like, oh, I get it. It's not a story about you know Captain America and his big character arc. It's about this guy who's just always has this mentality and how he changes other people along the way. Yeah. And, and like uh, that that perspective shift that I had really kind of opened my eyes to what they were doing with the story and this character and eventually kind of like uh, the rest of the franchise with him. And um, I've really grown to uh, to really enjoy this film quite a bit. So. Um, all right. Well, I think, I mean, you know, we're right in the middle of this experiment they're doing. We've got kind of some, I don't know what the Tesseract is doing. It's like some energy screams that are going through the air. Uh, it's it's crazy. We'll talk more about this when we get into it uh, in tomorrow's minute. But uh, uh, Will and Don, are you two able to join us one last time this week? Oh, nope. My, nope. My, my nope. You've offended me. Okay. You've offended right. me with the Russo brothers opinion. Well, I gotta go. That was it. No, no, I'll be back. What I'll if I tell back. you I love them? Will that help? <laughs> Yeah, I'll be back. I'll be all back. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> remind everybody where they can find your show and hear more of you, too. We, uh, me and Don are part of the Cinephile Hissy Fit podcast. And uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, maybe other. <laughs> Definitely places? Stitcher. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Podbean. Yeah, we're Pod, everywhere. Podbean, man. Um, uh-huh. you know, audio, acts, yeah. whatever. Um, Toilet paper rolls. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, that's actually where I write my notes for the shows is on the toilet paper rolls. Um, yeah. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're all on this all, is those, going all those good places. We, we will have all of that in the show notes. So you can just click on it. You don't have to even search. Just click on it. It'll take you right there. And you can learn more about uh, the Cinephile Hissy Fit podcast and, and these two and what they do. Um, that's it for today's Minute Pete. Thanks, as always. Oh, thank you, Andy. And tune in tomorrow for one of Will's legendary pitch sessions. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM. Engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Spread the News by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm, and if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show.